For our scripture reading, we're turning to Luke's Gospel in the chapter 19. Luke's Gospel, chapter 19. We're reading from the verse 29. Already in this chapter, the Lord Jesus Christ has met the publican, Zacchaeus, who climbed the tree to see him. He gave the parable on the ten pieces of money. And we pick up in verse 29 as Christ begins his journey into Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, why do ye loose him? Thus shall ye say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way, and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even nigh at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees, from among the multitude, said unto the disciples, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that, if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And when he was become near, or when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee, that thine enemy shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children with thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. And he went into the temple, and began to cast out them that sold therein, and them that bought, saying unto them, It is written, My house is the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And he taught daily in the temple, but the chief priests and scribes and the chief of the people sought to destroy him, and could not find what they might do for all the people were very attentive to him. My text for this evening is found in the verse 41, although we'll be looking at the verses thereafter. And when he was come in, or and when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. Well, let's unite together in prayer. Our Father, we're so thankful to Thee for the privilege we have of coming 
to hear the gospel of peace. We remember that this day many of our brethren throughout the world have been persecuted for preaching the gospel. Many people have gathered in churches for fear of their lives, for owning the name of Christ. And how sad it is in this nation that enjoys such liberty, so few come out to hear the word. But Father, for those who are here tonight, we do pray that thou would awaken our hearts. We do pray that thou would shut us in with thyself. That, Father, our souls would know nothing of distraction tonight, but that we would be focused solely upon the gospel. Do bless us here tonight. Have a word for each of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Weeping is something that is very natural, but something that is not overly encouraged in society today. If you see somebody that's weeping, what is your natural reaction? Comfort them and get them to stop. If a baby's crying, your first reaction is to go and pick it up and comfort it and get it to stop crying. If you're at a house of mourning and somebody is crying, you don't laugh at them. You put your arm around them and try to comfort them, try to ease their tears. Weeping is not something that's really a part of our Western culture, is it? Weeping is seen as a sign of weakness. We tend to be a people who bottle up our emotions, repress our emotions, and stop them from being visible to others. Men who weep are told they're not men for doing so. Women who weep are labelled emotionally unstable if they're prone to doing it too often. But weeping is often a sign of love. It's a sign of care, compassion. It's an expression of an emotion that we feel in our hearts. We weep in sadness whenever the circumstances of life have not quite gone as we expect. We weep in sorrow in trials and afflictions, whenever we are, whenever our emotions are so affected we can do nothing else but cry. We weep in mourning whenever we lose a loved one. We weep in pain whenever our body is ravaged by unending agony that we don't think we're going to get through. And then we weep in joy those times when our heart is filled with gladness and we could do nothing else but weep. In scripture we often read of weeping. Weeping is a big part of the Jewish culture. At funeral ceremonies the Jews would weep literally for days. Whenever Moses passed away we read in Deuteronomy 34 that the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plain of Moab 30 days. 30 days of weeping for Moses. Historians of the New Testament tell us that there were people you could hire for your funeral service or the funeral service of your loved one who were professional weepers. That was their full-time job. They literally went to the funeral and wept for the person who had died. And it was a sign the more people you had weeping for you, the more you were loved and the more you were missed, 
but it's a bit uh, of a sham really if you had to pay people to do it. But there's one person in scripture that you and I might be surprised to find weeping. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. But scripture records for us three occasions that the Saviour wept. He wept at the grave of his friend Lazarus. Remember the Jews said, Behold how he loved him. He wept here as he's entering Jerusalem and standing on the Mount of Olives. But we're also told that he wept in Gethsemane. Now maybe you're thinking tonight, well I've read the account of Gethsemane many times and I don't remember reading of him weeping in the gospel records. Well it's Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 says of Christ who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. Now we know that portion to be referring to Gethsemane. And here the apostles saying that as the Lord Jesus Christ entered the garden, as he went and prayed before the Father, and the great drops of blood dropped from his brow, he was weeping and praying. Because the sincerest form of prayer, no doubt, produces the strongest emotions and tears from our heart. Now you and I, we can identify with Christ weeping over Lazarus. He loved him and now he's passed away. We can understand why he would weep in the garden of Gethsemane as he prayed for that cup to pass from him. We can understand why he would weep there. But dear friends, as the Lord Jesus Christ is standing on the Mount of Olives and looking over the city of Jerusalem, that city that is going to arrest him, that city that is going to treat him so barbarically, that city that is going to nail him to a cross and mock him and laugh at him, why would he weep over such a city? Why would he weep over the sinners that are in that city? Why would Christ weep over them? Well, this is what I want us to look at here tonight. The weeping Savior. Three very simple things I want us to look at here tonight. Let me list them for you. The place he wept for. The people he wept for. And the passion he wept with. First of all, the place he wept for. Now this place is Jerusalem. I've never been, but I'm told that as you descend from the Mount of Olives, you would have a full view of the city of Jerusalem. You would be able to see every housetop. You would be able to see the streets and the walls. Where I live in Scotland, it's a little fishing village called Gardenstown. There's only about 700 people there, but there's a neighbouring town called it's not a town it's a village called Crivy and it's literally cut out of the rocks and the only way to get there's two ways into it you can either walk along the beach to get there the tide has to be out or you can go down through the countryside but as you're going down through the countryside it's a steep descent of about 800 feet very sharply down to the sea and as you're going down you can literally see Every house in Crivy, you're literally sometimes looking down onto people's roofs and down into their chimney. But as you're coming down, you have a full view of that little village and you can count every house. 
Well, as the Lord Jesus Christ was coming down the Mount of Olives, he has what we would call a bird's eye view of the city. But remember, the Lord Jesus Christ, as he's coming down this Mount of Olives for the very last time before he enters the city for his death, he is looking upon this city, not just with his physical eye, but he's looking with his omniscient eye. That is his all-knowing eye. He can look into the future and he can see everything that's going to happen. He can look upon the people and he can see their sinfulness. He can see their pride. He can see their iniquity. And this is the place he wept for. He looked over the city and he didn't say these rotten scoundrels. I know what they'll do to me. No, he looked over the city and his heart was touched with compassion and he wept over it. What did he weep over? Well, let me note three things that he wept over. He wept over their special declarations. Jerusalem was supposed to be the holy city. Isaiah 52 says that, O Jerusalem, the holy city, this is a city that's supposed to be set apart for God. This is a city that is supposed to know the gospel and keep the gospel and practice the gospel. God had visited Jerusalem on many occasions. Zechariah 8 verse 3. Thus saith the Lord. I am returned unto Zion. And will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth. And the mountain of the Lord of hosts. The holy mountain. God had visited Jerusalem. Many times in the past. He had come with gracious workings. Of his Holy Spirit. Revival after revival had come to Jerusalem. And now Christ has come and visited Jerusalem in the flesh. Jerusalem has experienced the preaching of God in its streets. In its synagogues and in its temple. God has been there ministering the word. Performing miracles. How privileged Jerusalem was to receive the special declarations of the gospel. But I tell you that Jerusalem is not the only special or blessed place. Because throughout the world, wherever the gospel is preached, that city have received, or town or village have received special declarations from God. Because, dear friends, the gospel is not just the ramblings of a preacher. The gospel is not just some sort of idea that we're trying to get people to sign up to. The gospel is God coming to the souls of men in power. And we're told that it pleases God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So the most blessed places on the face of the earth today are the places where the gospel is being preached. And Orlando doesn't realize it today as men and women are taken up with their amusement parks as they're taken up with all their attractions and worldliness. They don't realize that the greatest thing that is happening in Orlando today is the preaching of the word. And Jerusalem didn't realize it. They had God walking their streets. They had God preaching to their souls and they didn't even realize. Christ wept for Jerusalem because they were wholly ignorant. He wept over them because of their blatant rejection of the gospel. He wept over their special declarations. He also wept over their specified destruction. 
Remember, as the Lord Jesus Christ stands in the Mount of Olives, he's not just looking with his physical eye, he's looking with his omniscient eye, and he can see into the future. He knows that in AD 70, the Romans are going to come and besiege this city and destroy it. The Lord knows what's going to happen. And that's exactly what did happen. History tells us the Romans came. They put a trench around this city. They kept the inhabitants in on every side. One historian, Josephus, relates that Titus erected a wall which surrounded the city and he cut off all hopes of escaping. He commanded his soldiers to dig up the city and the whole city was leveled, except for three towers. But it wasn't just the city that he leveled. The citizens were leveled too. Is that not what Christ says? He says, Thy children with thee. And they shall, verse 44, And they shall lay thee, even with the ground, and thy children with thee. Christ looks out over the city. He knows the Romans are going to come. He knows the people are going to be buried in the rubble. And he says, Thy children with thee. The Lord weeps over this city, because this city will not bow to him. This city will not have him to be their king and to be their saviour. And they'll be destroyed as a result. Matthew Henry said, This was for crucifying Christ. This was because they knew not the day of their visitation. That's why Jerusalem was destroyed. The Lord certainly wept because he foreknew the destruction of the city. And as he looked over Jerusalem... And he bowed down and he wept over this city. He can see the soldiers coming and he can see them plunging their swords into the hearts of men. And he knows that the souls of these sinners are not prepared to meet their God. He's weeping over this city that's not prepared. Christ wept over their special declarations, their specified destruction. But he also wept over their spiritual desolation. Because this was a city that departed from God a long, long time ago. They had apostatized. That means they had the truth, but they had turned from it. In fact, they had turned from the truth so badly that whenever God came and walked in their streets and preached to them, they didn't even recognize him. This was a city that not only rejected the teachings of Christ, they rejected the person of Christ, and they would crucify him. And what would Christ say of Jerusalem? Would he say, you'll get what you deserve? No. This is what he says, Matthew twenty-three thirty-seven. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. So Christ identifies this is the city that stones the prophets and kills them. And what does he say? I would have gathered you under my wing. He said, I wanted to gather you even as a hen gathers her chickens. I wanted you. But why wouldn't they come? He says, ye would not. It's not that I would not receive you. It's that ye would not come to me. And dear friends, this is the very heart of the gospel today. The gospel is sent forth to all men. It's preached indiscriminately. It's offered to sinners of every country, of every language. 
to every people. But the issue is that many men and women are like those in Jerusalem that Christ is weeping over. Ye would not. Ye would not. And this happens today. Oh, those people in Jerusalem, they were trusting in their religion. We're Jews. We're keeping the law. They think they're saved. And so it is, no doubt, in America today. There are many people here trusting in something of artificial Christianity. Oh, I have a church. I have a denomination. I have a pastor. I go along sometimes. But dear friend, that is not salvation. Christ is weeping over these people who are trusting in a form of religion that is completely counterfeit. This is a people who are rejecting the person of Christ. And dear friend, I stress to you tonight that if you're rejecting the very person of Christ, you're rejecting salvation. Because there's no salvation in any other. What would Christ say to you tonight? If you're here and your soul is spiritually desolate of saving faith. Christ says, I would gather you. I would gather you under my wing. Dear friend, he's willing to receive you. But what will your response be with him? Is what Christ said of these Jews true about you? Ye would not have me. The Lord Jesus Christ was the weeping saviour. We've thought first of all of the place he wept for. Think secondly tonight of the people he wept for. And he wept over a people who were ignorant. Verse 42. If thou hadst known, even thou. Oh, if you'd only known the truth. But you continued in your ignorance. You know, ignorance isn't an excuse. There's a lot of people think, well, I'll just stand before God and say, I didn't know that. On the day of judgment, I didn't know I had to be born again. I didn't know I had to repent of my sin. I didn't know I had to receive Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior and Lord. Many people in America, they're going to stand before God on the day of judgment. And they're going to say, I took Jesus as my Savior. I didn't know I had to take him as my Lord as well. Many people want the salvation card in their wallet. Oh, I was born again in this state. And I'll show God this on the day of judgment. It doesn't matter that I lived a defiled and wicked life. I've got that card in my wallet. My decision card. Well, dear friend, ignorance is no excuse. Christ wept over the ignorance of these people of Jerusalem. He also wept over their lost opportunity. Look at verse 42. He says, at least in this thy day. He says, this is the day. The day that I've come among you. The day I've come preaching to you. The day I've come to present myself as your saviour. This is your day of opportunity. And he wept over the fact that these people were rejecting their day of opportunity. How many people are doing that today? They're saying, well, we'll just put salvation off a little longer. I'll just wait till I'm a little older. I'll be young, I'll have my fun, and whenever I'm old, then I'll come to the Lord. 
the Lord was weeping over such people. <clears throat> I wasn't converted until I was 20. I went to school with another young man who was much the same as I was in living for the carnal pleasures of this life. And his name was Ian. We were in the same classes together at school. Oh, it wasn't the bright kid class. It was sort of a bit lower down, the brighter kid class. And we were in our science class one day, and the teacher was a believer. And I remember Ian. He was standing on top of the table. We were a disobedient crowd. He was standing on top of the table. And I remember him saying to the teacher on that day, he says, I'm going to live however I please, and whenever I'm old, then I'll come and believe in your God. But I'll not do it until then. I wasn't converted at the time. I professed to be an atheist. But I remember thinking, Ian, if there is a God, and I was him, I wouldn't let you get away to your deathbed. I wouldn't let you make such a bold statement. Well, I moved to England to go to university. I got a phone call one day from a friend. And he said, did you hear what happened, Ian? He says him and his friends were out in a car. They were flying round country roads. You don't have a lot of them over here, but country roads in Northern Ireland are very sharp and very windy. And they went through a hedge and hit a tree instant hit a tree head on and the coroner tried to comfort the family Ian was sitting in the passenger seat and the coroner said well don't worry because Ian would have been killed in impact he wouldn't even have known that he was dead a man who promised himself a deathbed conversion was denied it by the Lord you see, dear friends, you and I, we think we're invincible. You and I think that we will live forever. You and I will think that I'll, we'll be like the rich man who builds his barns. We will plan for the future and we'll get there and we'll enjoy it and we'll have a great time. But the Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow. For thou knowest not what a day brings forth. And as Christ is looking over the city of Jerusalem, he's not just thinking about the fact they're going to be destroyed in AD 70. He's thinking about the people on that day who are losing their opportunity to come to Christ. At least in this thy day. He wept over their lost opportunity. And dear friend, I tell you today, if you have that attitude of I'll leave it till tomorrow, I'll leave it till another time. The Bible says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. He wept over the rejection of him and the peace that he brings. Verse 42 The things which belong unto thy peace. He's weeping over those who would crucify him. He's weeping over those who are going to not only reject him, but are going to take him and have him nailed to a tree. He's weeping over their lack of love. He's offering them peace. The things that belong to your peace is me. Believe upon me. And they won't have it. They're rejecting it. 
And how sad it is whenever we reach out to somebody in love and in mercy and offer to do something good for them and they won't take it. Our hearts are touched, we're grieved. I'm trying to do that person a good thing, they need my help and here they won't take it. So Christ is offering these people eternal life and they won't have it. He weeps over the judgment that is coming upon them. Verse 43, for the days shall come upon thee. He's speaking in the future. Those days he's going to return as the saviour judge. For the Bible says that Christ is the one who will judge the earth. Acts 17, he hath appointed a day in right, uh, he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath appointed the Lord Jesus Christ. And dear friend, the judge of all the earth is standing on the Mount of Olives and he's looking out over this city and he's looking out over these people who will not come to him and who will not believe upon him and he's saying one day I'm going to have to judge you. One day you'll stand before me by yourself and I'll be your judge. And you haven't repented and you have not believed. And I'm going to have to say those words. Depart from me ye cursed. I never knew ye. And the Lord, although he's perfectly just in doing so, he takes no pleasure in it. We're told I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And that's evident here. He's weeping over these sinners who will not come. He's weeping over their death. Verse 44. Speaking of the Romans coming. They shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children with thee. Death is going to come upon them. They can't avoid it. None of us can avoid it. Oh we might try to live a long life. We might get the best medical care. But one day dear friend death will come to each of us. Can't be avoided. And it doesn't matter what we've owned in life or where we've lived. The only thing that will matter is what have we done with Jesus Christ. The Lord knew these sinners would not be ready. And he wept over their death. He wept over their carelessness. Verse 44. Thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. You haven't known that I've been here. He's not speaking about the Romans here. He's speaking about himself. You haven't knew the time of thy visitation. When God came and dwelt among you. And walked among you. And preached the gospel unto you. He wept over their carelessness. The people that Christ wept over. Were sinners. Cold. Hard. Uncaring. Blind. Sinners. Sinners like you and me. The Lord Jesus Christ wept over the lost here. He wept over these people. But let me note thirdly and finally here tonight. The passion he wept with. Let me say three things about the passion he wept with. First of all he wept with genuine tears. You see, as God, it's impossible for Christ to lie. Christ can't turn on the waterworks, as we would say. 
You can't just turn on false tears. If Christ is crying tears, they are genuine tears. And dear friends, we cannot deny the love of Christ for sinners here tonight. Because he looked over that city of sinners and he wept over them. We never read in the Bible of Christ laughing. But we do read in the Bible of Christ weeping over the lost. There was an Anglican bishop in Liverpool. Oh, over a hundred years ago now. By the name of J.C. Ryle. And he said, we err greatly. If we suppose that Christ cares for none but his own believing people. He cares for all. And dear friend, I believe that to be true. The Lord Jesus Christ looked out over that city and he wept for sinners who were going to hell. He could see the souls of men and he wept over them. John Calvin, the reformer, says, By this weeping, Christ proved not only that he loved like a brother those for whose sake he became man, but also that God made to flow into human nature the spirit of fatherly love. You see, Christ wept over those people because he had a love and a care and compassion for their souls. They were genuine tears. Christ weeping over the lost. But notice they were also grieving tears. Because Christ looked at this city. And he saw men and women. Who were going to hell. And he says I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Turn ye. Turn ye. And here he weeps over sinners. He has compassion for sinners. It was said of Christ this man receiveth sinners. But sinners will not receive him. They were tears of mourning for those who were walking the broad road to hell. Bishop Ryle said again that Christ has a love of general pity for the man who is going on still in wickedness as well as a love of special affection for the sheep who hear his voice. And I believe that to be true. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ is genuinely grieved By the sinner who through the hardness of their heart will not come to him. I believe Christ is genuinely grieved by the one who says I love my sin and I want my sin more than I want you. I believe he's genuinely grieved and I believe whenever the Lord Jesus Christ was on that Mount of Olives and he wept over that city. He was shedding genuine tears and he was grieving. For those who would not come to him. But I believe these are also guiding tears. Because as believers here tonight. The Lord Jesus Christ is our example. We are to follow Christ's example. And our compassion for the lost. Are we not? If the Lord Jesus Christ. Looked out over the lost city of Jerusalem. And he wept over that city. And he wept over the sinners who would reject him. And turn their back on the gospel. Should we not do the same also? Does Orlando deserve the judgment and wrath of God? Yes it does. 
Do sinners who reject Christ deserve to be cast into hell? Do those who have broken God's law deserve to be punished? Yes, they do. But dear friends, such were all of us. And we received mercy. And as we think of our Saviour and how we're seeking to imitate him in his holiness and in his love and his compassion, if Christ wept over the city of Jerusalem, can we not weep over the city of Orlando? Can we not weep over America tonight? Can we not weep over those who this very hour will pass into eternity completely unprepared to meet their God? Can we not weep over those in our family who are still unconverted? Who are still still in their ignorance, still in their sin, still in their open defiance of God's mercy. If Christ is our example in weeping over the lost, then dear friend, we must follow his compassion. We must follow his guiding tears. But dear friend, what if this was true of one in our meeting tonight? You see, I don't believe as the Lord wept in that city of Jerusalem that he, or as he wept in the Mount of Olives over the city of Jerusalem, I don't believe that he was weeping just for those sinners on that day. I believe as the Lord Jesus Christ was weeping on the Mount of Olives, he was weeping over lost sinners of all generations. I believe that he was even weeping over those who were sat in Orlando here tonight. Robert Murray McShane was one of Scotland's finest preachers, taken home to heaven aged 29. And he said, as he preached in his own pulpit in Dundee, he said that if Christ were here tonight, there are many for whom he would weep over. And dear friend, I believe that to be true. Bishop Bryce said again, we know but a little of true Christianity if we do not feel a deep concern about the souls of unconverted people. We must have that deep compassion for the lost that Christ had. Coming to a close here tonight, let me ask, would you weep over the souls of your enemies? Over those who will mock you? Would you weep over the souls of one who would spit in your face? Would you weep over those who would call out for you to be crucified? Would you pray for forgiveness and weep for the man who drove the thorns into your brow and the nails into your hands? Would you weep over them? Would you weep over those who have rejected your overtures in the gospel? Would you weep over the hellfire that awaits lost, perishing sinners? Well, Christ did all this because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And dear friends, so it is for you. Christ is not willing that you should perish, but that you would come to repentance. And the fact that you haven't, or perhaps the fact that you won't, is a great source of grief to him. 
Christ had the divine foreknowledge of what would happen in this city. He knew all that would happen in the future. Well, dear friends, from the study of God's word, we know what will happen in the future. Not the same as Christ. He has a perfect foreknowledge. We have a slight foretaste, a slight prophecy of what will happen. But we do know certain things. We know that sinners will die. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. We know that one day Christ will return again. And we know that we'll all be gathered before the judgment seat. We know that there's such a place called hell. We know that there's a lake of fire. And we know that there's an eternal separation. And dear friend, knowing these truths, will we not come to him? Knowing these truths, will we not flee to him and say, God, be merciful to me, the sinner? Knowing these truths, dear friend, will we not weep over the lost just as our Savior did? May God grant us the grace to do so. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for a Savior who wept over the city of Jerusalem. A Savior who wept over sinners of all generations. And Lord, we feel our own shame that we cannot bring ourselves to weep for the lost even as Christ did. Pardon our sin, we pray. And Lord, if any of us are here tonight and we're rejecting Christ and we're rejecting the gospel, not caring that he loved us, not caring that he wept over us, O oh Lord, open the heart tonight and pour in effectual saving grace, we pray. For thy glory and honor, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.